Greetings. Welcome to our 28th episode of the FGI podcast series. My name is Tim Stark, and I'm a professor of civil engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Hello, everyone. My name is Jen Miller, and I'm the coordinator of the Fabricated Geomembrane Institute, or the FGI. On today's episode, we are going to focus on our April 13th, 2021 webinar titled Static and Seismic Veneer Stability Calculations. I'd like to quickly reintroduce our distinguished speaker for this webinar, and it is Dr. Nevin Matasevich, who is a consulting engineer who consults in the areas of geotechnical, geoenvironmental, and earthquake engineering. His expertise includes design and stability of waste and tailings containment systems, Superfund sites, and earth fill, rock fill, and tailings dams. Dr. Matasevich is a pioneer in developing and evaluation and mitigation methods for the seismic design of solid and hazardous waste landfills. Nevin, thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for kind introduction. Oh, th thank you for an excellent webinar on static and seismic veneer stability calculations. We received a number of questions during and after your webinar on static and seismic veneer stability calculations. So I'd like to run through those with you today. So our first question is, does the recommendation that you made to use coarse sand in the final cover system for gas drainage also apply to sites located in low seismicity areas? Uh, yes, this, is a re this recommendation applies to all sites with significant, and I stress significant, landfill gas generation. Gas extraction system failure is the second most common cause of composite lander failures. So it is important that it is designed and constructed properly. Great, thank you. Uh, next question, how about a geocomposite drainage layer as using the geocomposite as the gas collection layer instead of the coarse sand? Well, you know, geocomposite is a viable alternative to the granular layer for both drainage and for gas collection. Drainage layers have to be designed and maintained and their construction needs to be professionally monitored if constructed and designed using geocomposite. Okay, uh, next question. Do you recommend using residual interface shear strength for stability analysis of final cover systems under seismic conditions? Yes, but only on side slope on composite liner systems, so five to one or steeper. Note uh, a relatively low confining, relatively low confining stress as representative of landfill cover. The difference between peak and large displacement, that is the residual shear strength, is very low. So you are not penalizing yourself much if you are basing your design on the residual shear strength, which is physically better. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> so fourth question, what if we have to do a veneer cover stability analysis outside the United States, specifically Northwest Africa, how do you pick your design earthquake motion? Well, you know, most countries have an equivalent of USGS that we have here in the United States. So those sites post at the minimum seismic hazard maps, which can serve as you know, a basis for initial design and screening. Now, 
it is possible that there are few countries that do not have such a site. And for them, I recommend visiting the Global Seismic Hazard Assessment Program website. They have, you know, a site, they you know, maintain the site that uh, is uh, using a selective, that you know, has basically global information for every single country. And uh, I will provide an information, I will provide the link, you know, that everybody can visit that site. Uh, however, I do recommend performing a site-specific seismic hazard study uh, if, if, if your site is in an uh, area of uh, significant seismicity. I mean, significant seismicity if your design peak horizontal acceleration bedrock is 0.1 G or higher. And for that, there is a program called EZF Risk. Again, I will provide the link. And they do have specifically Africa module, you know, which they you know, offer at additional cost. Now, I would also like to add that uh, even though you can use this program to assess your seismic hazard parameters in bedrock or even on the soil conditions, uh, this approach doesn't take into account how your base field will respond. And for that, one needs to do site response and seismic deformation analysis. And there are programs for that also as well. I do use and recommend programs like Shake 2000 or DMOD 2000. Again, I will provide a website. Okay, thank you, Nevin. The next question asks, is it correct that the gas drainage layer is below the geomembrane? Yes, it's correct. Gas collection layer should be designed and constructed below geomembrane. However, the drainage, water drainage layer should be above the membrane. Thanks, Nevin. Next question. In your takeaway slide at the end of your presentation, how do you calibrate your model, your, I guess, stability model, or maybe it's the site response model? Yeah, I believe this question is related to site response model. And uh, it's mostly, you know, this is, you know, mostly uh, applicable or significant for two-dimensional site response seismic deformation models, which are pretty complex. Uh, this model should be extended away from the slope or any other change in geometry. And then that model extension should be representative of horizontal layer soil deposit, which can be well modeled by 1D uh, site response programs. These are much simpler, much easier to use, much better calibrated. So 2D model, modeler is required to demonstrate that in the field, free field that is away from the slope, his two-dimensional model can replicate the response of, you know, a simple one-dimensional profile that is, you know, can replicate calculated response using 1D site response analysis programs such as Shake 2000 or DMOD 2000 or, you know, any other. Great. Um, next question is, is there a minimum side slope you would recommend for preliminary design assumptions when assessing the stability of the capping layer? Yes, four horizontal, one vertical is recommended for preliminary design when capping with a composite liner system. Three horizontal, one vertical when capping with ET cover system or uh, any other cover type that doesn't involve uh, geosynthetic interfaces. Great. Uh, next question, Nevin, is why would an ET evapotranspiration cover have a smaller stability criteria, six inches, than a composite cover system? 
an, e an ET cover seems like it would be easier to fix than the composite cover. Wouldn't a larger displacement on a composite cover potentially lead to tearing of the geosynthetics? Well, ET covers are typically designed for 12-inch stability criterion, sometimes even for 6-inch, and that depends upon jurisdiction and several, several other factors, for example, how well the vegetation be established and maintained. Uh, there are two major considerations related to establishment of performance-based stability criteria. The first one is potential for release of contaminants. And the second one is, as the comment you know, mentions, is ease of repair. Now, a 12-inch or even 6-inch crack in ET cover can result in the release of contaminants. That is, landfill gas can escape. Landfill gas is not likely to escape if you have a failure in a composite cover, that is, just sliding of cover soil on top of HDP or LLDP geomembrane. So, you know, cover sliding may, but it's not likely to cause a rupture, that is to cause release of contaminants. Hence, it does make more sense to limit displacement in ET cover more than it does to limit it in composite cover. Uh, there are also other considerations related to ET covers that I'm often reminded when I discuss this topic. For example, you know, it is possible to have infiltration through crack even if it's six to 12 inches wide, uh, and then you don't have ET cover function, and also erosion uh, within and in the vicinity of the cracked area, which can happen in a case of a you know, significant storm. So uh, I do believe that you know, six to 12 inch for ET covers and 36 inches for composite cover are appropriate stability criteria when design is based upon performance-based analysis. Great, thanks, Nevin. Um, next question is, in your research, have you observed whether different types of geomembrane texturing can provide greater peak or and or residual shear strength, and is it tied to resin type and or asperity height? Yes, you know, higher the asperity height, more shear resistant one gets. You know. Uh, stiffer the membrane that is HDP compared to LLDP, again, one gets more shear resistant. And, uh, you know, stiffer, stronger the membrane, asperities are not like to shear off in seismic event. Okay. Uh, next is, do you recommend using interface shear strength when analyzing the stability of the final cover under seismic conditions? And I think maybe that's interface shear strength testing. Well, you know, uh, could be, you know, but uh, it's, of course, you know, interfaces are the weakest planes within the profile, so the answer is yes. And then, you know, interface shear testing should be done if the results uh, from previous cell development are not available at the site. So if you're starting from the beginning, if design is, you know, for the new cell and there is no other cell at the site uh, for which interface testing results are available, then yes, site-specific testing is required prior to design and also during security. Great. How is landfill cap stability influenced by the presence of a bottom liner system when it has similar geosynthetic interfaces? Does the bottom liner system have a dampening effect on incoming ground motions and as it propagates up to the cover? 
Oh, yes, this is one of my favorite questions. So the answer is yes, there is, this, there is the so-called base isolation effect, uh, which is, you know, composite liner behaving as a base isolator. So structural engineers know that very well, you know, geotechnical engineers also, you know, use this commonly when they talk about soil liquefaction and how, you know, liquefied layer can behave as base isolator, meaning that shear, st shear stresses cannot go through water or cannot, you know, pass uh, through interface of low frictional resistance. Now, uh, without me going into detail at this webinar to explain how all of this works and how much it matters, there is a paper about that. There's a paper by Kawasanjian and Matasovic, 1995, and I will, you know, send this paper to Jen for posting. If you are interested in details, well, there is a paper. Great, Nevin, and I'll I'll get that posted uh, on our website uh, along. It'll be as a reference material to your uh, web webinar and podcast. Uh, the next question says you recommended coarse sand in the gas venting layer. Are there any concerns with using a geocomposite in the gas venting layer? Well, no, it depends uh, on the in-place gas extraction system. In a modern, if modern system is in place and is or will be well maintained and operated, then geocomposite is fine operative to, you know, to granular layer. Uh, I would like to note, however, that I have seen many more landfill gas induced failures in composite covers, in ET covers where vegetation was destroyed, that I have seen seismic induced failures. So it is important to have a proper gas management and drainage. Very important. Thanks, Nevin. Uh, just three more questions. Um, how should the liner system, bottom liner system, be reasonably incorporated in the site response analysis? Should it be through a nonlinear or linear type site response analysis? Well, I just discussed this, you know, uh, in, I guess, believe one or two questions above. And I mentioned that there is a paper that will be posted to discuss that. Now, I would just add that this effect cannot be simulated or achieved using equivalent linear analysis. One needs to do nonlinear analysis to be able to adequately simulate that effect. Right. Next question, in your presentation, you recommended a maximum slope height when using the infinite slope me method. I've used the infinite slope method for designing coal ash landfills where the waste slash ash is placed under controlled conditions and compacted. Would this scenario allow for a longer maximum slope when considering the infinite slope method? Well, you know, it depends. My colleague Rick Thiel and I noticed that problems with composite covers start when a composite cover has a run, has run longer than 150 feet. Uh, issues with drainage, settlement, trench stability, and uh, if you remember the video I showed at the beginning of uh, my presentation, it basically shows wind induced, you know, uh, it's not damage, but you know, just uh, see what happens when wind, you know, uh, negative pressure, you know, lifts the entire liner. If it's too long, damage is more likely than if it's, you know, 150 feet or less. Uh, I would also note, because this question may, is not quite clear, that the infinite slope equation has many applications. So this is not, you know, a limitation of infinite slope, you know, equation. 
this is simply a limitation of uh, design and construction composite uh, covers. Using infinite slope equation on longer runs may be appropriate. Right. So it's really a function of the cover system, like you showed in your video, not necessarily the waste being compacted under controlled yeah. conditions. Yes, and it's a function, as I say, you know, of you know, anchor trench, you know, drainage, you know, and so on. You know. So design details, especially related to composite covers. Right. Okay. Uh, have you had the opportunity to use the Macedo procedure on the Olympic View landfill? case history that you described? No, I have not. Uh, Macedo is relatively new. You know, uh, it is on the list. I have not used it. I do note, however, that the same authors have a relatively recent spin-off of their procedure that was crafted or is crafted specifically for subduction events. And the 2011 Nisqually event that should the Olympic view landfill is a subduction event. So that is, uh, should be more appropriate than this 2019 update, uh, which is for shallow crustal events. I you know, have a reference for this 2011 paper for uh, this 2017, I believe, paper that is specifically crafted for subduction events. I can provide a reference to Jen. I'm not sure. If, I mean, I can send you also a paper if you can post it. I'm not sure about the copyright issues. Okay, well, that'd be great. Nevin, if you send it, uh, I'll check into the copyright. And that's a great point to highlight the difference between subduction and shallow coast crustal earthquakes. And yeah. people can take that into account. Subduction events, typically larger magnitude, they last much longer. And longer shaking is important in uh, design of composite cover you know just remember this example with the mouse on my laptop and when i was shaking it longer you shake it more it moves it's not just intensity it's also duration right okay nevin thanks so much for joining us again and for your excellent webinar on stability of veneer cover systems and if you have additional questions for nevin please contact him at nmatasevich at geo-logic.com or email me and I will send you Nevin's email address. And you can download the papers and other information that Nevin has suggested at fabricatedgeomembrane.com. Everybody, thanks for joining us. And Nevin, thanks so much for your excellent presentation and podcast. You're welcome. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone.